0: Welcome, 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 welcome into a Wednesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the Morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. Thanks for being with us on your Wednesday. Big news in the Colts world. We'll get to that after headlines. Colts without yet another player for an extended period of time. Plus, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick says college sports is in crisis He's wrong. We'll get to that also this hour. Plus, LeBron can't even eat dinner without being criticized. We'll explain what's going on there. Also, in hour number two, is the ceiling lower for the Colts now? We, we look at some of the recent losses. Where do things stand the rest of the season? What's the win potential of this team? Plus, NFL uh, released some interesting figures on Guardian Caps. They're showing great promise, but yet, no changes expected moving forward. We'll explain what's going on there. And... Newest Indiana Pacer, Kyle Mangus, former Warsaw grad, Indiana Wesleyan grad. Signed an Exhibit 10 deal with the Pacers. Will likely play for the Mad Ants this season. He will join us at 8.30 in hour number two. And, and before we leave you, um, you ever gotten a speeding ticket?
1: Um, Yes.
0: So have I. Interesting. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket, though, for more than a couple hundred dollars? Y- yes. Oh. I'll tell you why real oh. quick.
1: Going oh. through a construction zone. Oh, uh, yeah, that will do it. And, well, my wife is loves to be the 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 driver in the passenger seat and tells me to pass this person in front of us. And I do, and as we come over the rise, this was over on 69. As we come over the rise, there's a cop, and he points right to me, and then points to the side of the road. <laughs> Get over here. And yeah, it, it was in a construction zone, so everything's double. It was like 400 and some dollars.
0: But anyway. okay. okay, but you've never had one like in the thousands of dollars range? No. Not that okay. I know. Well, of. a guy in Georgia had a speeding ticket that at least the placeholder amount for the fine is unlike anything I have ever seen. I'll we'll explain that as we wrap up the show around 8
1: Fifty eight, fifty five, or so. How many tickets have you got in your life? Um, like driving tickets. Two or three, two or three. Yeah, I'm about the same. Maybe one more. Maybe maybe four. I'm trying to remember. I think a speeding ticket. You know what? I would constantly get in trouble for is rolling through stop signs. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like like I'm going ten mile an hour and barely slow down and go, but like. Um, when I used to work in newspapers, I would, it would be late at night when I was going home. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would roll, I, I got pulled over like three or four different times at night because they're probably trying to identify like drunk drivers and stuff. Yeah. And that was the easiest thing to pull somebody over and then see if they were drinking. So that was, that was my big, my big thing. I was rolling through stop signs. Like if it was like two o'clock in the, in the afternoon, I'm sure I wouldn't get pulled over, but it, since it's, it was at night, I'd always get pulled over and it would, piss me off so much because i'm tired man yeah and uh get lit up for rolling through I, the stops i actually got pulled over one time or it was after it was like
0: in college and i had worked and it was like a sunday night and i was heading back home and and it was doing some work for like the college radio station and the, and the officer's like oh where do you work and i i said there and, and and then he's like oh okay and then like i got a warning but it was you ever get it where it's like they they have like the speed limit wrong? Because <laughs> that's what happened in this situation. I'm like, I was going fifty four in a fifty, definitely not fifty four in a thirty-five. But uh yeah. Did anyway. you point
1: that out or did you were just like oh, I'm gonna i, See, no, I never wrong.
0: Yeah, I did not. He gave me a warning. I think he's just like, All right, you're kinda harmless. I <laughs> I, least I, I hope that's what he thought. So but yeah, I several warnings, couple speeding tickets. Things like that. But yeah, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. So All right, we'll talk least, about it. Yeah, at, at least this the, didn't happen to shoot. you or to me. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line today. 46862. Just type in CK first. Send us your questions, comments, rants, whatever you have our way. Also, once again, giving away another four pack of IU Rutgers tickets coming up this Saturday at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Let's do this. Make it simple. Homecoming. Just text homecoming to 46862. He'll be in the running for that four pack. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show today. Again, homecoming is your keyword for IU Rutgers tickets today. Uh, let's get to headlines. What do so we got? We have Major League Baseball last night. And once again, Kyle Schwarber delivering two home runs. The Phillies route the Diamondbacks 10 to nothing, take a 2 0 series lead. Phillies are fun to watch, man. Like, I don't know what else to say, but it's a fun team to watch.
1: It is. I had the first, uh, I watched the first three plus innings. Actually, it was on um, at the gym when I went last night and was able to watch while I was on the treadmill. And I saw Trey Turner's home run in the first, which really set the tone for everything. And then a great play in the bottom of the inning by Alec Baum at third, that took away an extra base hit. And it was just, even watching without sound or anything, you could just, it's a fun atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park right now. And Philly's just piled on from there. Four in the sixth, four in the ninth. A couple home runs from Schwarber, as you said. Uh, They continue to mash the ball. I think there's something like 15 home runs in the last six games, something like that. Four games. Four games? Yeah, most
0: in a four-game span in postseason history, plus... Kyle Schwarber 18 postseason home runs
1: matching Reggie Jackson for the most ever by a left-handed batter. That's uh that's amazing. Uh Yeah. Aaron Nolan went 6 scoreless and um it, it's uh Merrill Kelly got rocked for Arizona. There was just it was a bad night all around for the D-backs last night. Now the series goes to Arizona and maybe they can get some momentum there but uh man the way the Phillies are playing it's going to be tough to uh stop them from getting to their second straight World Series,
0: so a two-zero series lead for the Phillies. Uh, coming up tonight, it'll be Game Three between the Rangers and Astros. This one going back to Globe Life Field. Uh, uh, oh, you're right. Tomorrow. You're right. That is tomorrow. Chase Field, correct. Uh, um, but for no, I'm talking H- Houston and Texas. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Houston, Texas. I'm still in the NLCS. Yes, in the ALCS. Game Three coming up tonight, eight uh, o'clock. Ah, uh, first pitch, in that one. This one, returning to the ballpark at Arlington, Rangers again with a two-zero series lead, trying to continue that uh, and
1: push the Astros to the brink of elimination tonight at home. So, you know, what was interesting last night. Is uh, Merrill Kelly, that the the pitcher for Arizona, had said heading into that game that it was going to, while well, while Citizens Bank Park was loud, it couldn't possibly be any louder than the fans. Uh, at the World Baseball Classic, cheering for Team USA. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the five plus innings that Merrill Kelly was pitching, it was a frenzy at Citizens Bank Park last night. It was it was pretty cool because um, it clearly affected him, um, and it was just you just don't see that in baseball games. The, the the crowd cheering while their team is in the on the field, or even constant at any time. And uh, Philly was doing that, uh, the fans, at times yesterday. It was pretty cool.
0: Meanwhile, in the NFL, a couple of headlines. Julio Jones, a wide receiver, has signed a one-year deal with the Eagles. So keeping it in Philadelphia, Jones, 34 years old, reunited with his former Tennessee Titans teammate, A.J. Brown. Uh, They played together back in 2021. So the Eagles adding some depth to their wide receiver core. Again, Jones is not, he. he's not the player and he hasn't been the player for several years now, but still a quality addition to add depth to your team.
1: Is it bad that I didn't even know Julio Jones wasn't on a roster? No. In the NFL?
0: No, I okay. I was actually a bit surprised myself. Meanwhile, Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers, has avoided a serious injury, uh, could play Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings. He suffered an oblique rib injury in the loss to the Browns.
1: There was a, a several injuries for the 49ers in that game but none are expected to be serious or long lasting. So good news for the Niners. And the biggest one of course being Christian McCaffrey. Absolutely. It's <laughs> perhaps what MVP, I mean MVP
0: candidate. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, obviously he's going to be up there on the list.
1: What, 16 straight games with a touchdown something like that. That's Just stupid. Very very stupid.
0: Uh meanwhile in in basketball, college basketball we will start out there and congrats to the Ie women's team, preseason top 10. They're ninth in the AP poll going into the women's season. Meanwhile, uh, in more news involving the Hoosiers, Romeo Langford waived from the Utah Jazz. So if he makes an NBA roster, it will be a very last-minute decision. So best of luck to him as he tries to continue his career. And then Victor Oladipo traded again.
1: Like, I I just, uh,
0: (laughs) the guy's been traded so many times. The Rockets completed a deal with the Thunder, so he's back to Houston once again. Um, it's part of a deal with the guard Kevin Porter Jr. and all his off-court issues, uh, going on right now. But the Rockets traded him two future second-round picks to Oklahoma City. Uh, Rockets got Victor Oladipo and Jeremiah Robinson Earl in return. Oladipo entering his 11th NBA season, two-time All-Star. Hard to believe it's been that many years. Right. But uh, obviously trying to work back from a couple of serious injuries and, and become a, a key piece again. Maybe he could be, but got to stay healthy.
1: That's the key. I mean, we if we want to talk about um, Shaq Leonard and Victor Oladipo, both guys that have suffered debilitating injury or injuries and are not the player that they previously were. Victor Depot hasn't been that dude since going through his injury struggles.
0: And finally, the big news of yesterday, and it involves the Colts, Grover Stewart suspended six games for violating uh, the league's performance-enhancing drugs policy. Details of the violation are unclear. Hmm. Uh, the nose tackle hasn't missed a game for the Colts going back to 2018, but the six-game suspension... Uh, this usually is in line when an NFL player tests positive for an anabolic agent for the first time, and so that's likely what has happened here. Uh, he issued an apology on Instagram, but uh, and indo-
1: acknowledged the violation. Also op- said he was surprised. I, I love it. Everybody gets caught. Surprised. They're always surprised. They're shocked and saying I should be more responsible for what I put in my body. You know. You know what why weren't body. they responsible before getting
0: yeah, caught, yeah. Yeah. right? No, they, yeah. he knew what he was doing. I always find that really, really bizarre. But so this is likely due to some sort of again anabolic agents. So that mimics testosterone, promotes muscle growth, and this is a first-time offense suspension. Um, NFL has more than seventy substances listed as anabolic agents. So again not sure what it was because Stewart didn't reveal what it was or the circumstances around it but either way it'll cost him uh nearly three and a half million dollars 3.4 million dollars in salary and bonuses during this six game suspension that's pretty hefty and oh also the fact that he's on the final year of a three-year 30.75 million dollar extension he signed with the colts in november of 2020
1: not good well, it was a hell of a steroid. It cost him millions of dollars. Here's the thing and the impact with the Indianapolis Colts is wh- how does that affect the Colts' defense? We don't really know because Grover Stewart has been such a constant up front for Indy. Has not missed a game since 2018. Has played in 84 consecutive games. So when you look at how this is going to affect the defense of Indianapolis and when i talking to James Boyd of the Athletic yesterday, we said... The onus now is going to be on that defense to lead the way with Anthony Richardson out and the limitations of Gardner Minshew. And now you're sidelining one of your best players on the roster, let alone the best players of the defense, for the next six games. And it leaves DeForest Buckner without a partner in crime, or at least a, as effective a partner in crime as, as Grover Stewart at the nose. So this is a big loss for the Colts. How big of a loss? We don't really know because the Colts haven't had to play with Grover Stewart or without Grover Stewart for quite some time.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the the interior defensive line is perhaps the strongest position group, not just on the defense, but you could argue on the entire team. You have two Uh, really good players uh, with Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner in the interior defensive line. So huge loss there. Obviously, as you mentioned, one of the top players for the Colts, I mean, defensively. You probably group him in the same category with DeForest Buckner and, of course, Zaire Franklin as as the top guys on the defense. So he's a top three defensive player, probably, what, top five, six player overall for this team. So he's very important to the team. And he's going to be out up until December 4th, which is the earliest he'd be eligible to return to the active roster. And for the Colts, so naturally, he would miss the December 3rd game. Funny how these things work out timing wise, right? Uh, but the earliest he could return would be December 10th in the week 14 game at Cincinnati.
1: It's a long time. And with 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 the Indianapolis Colts now, is what does that do to your defensive line? Also, do, what does that do to your edge defense with well, Samson Ebicom and Quiddy Pay? Is with the abilities of those interior linemen to command such attention. It has allowed the defensive ends to play free, and now could that be gone with with Grover Stewart out? So it is all a a very speculative um, approach to how this is going to affect Indianapolis because Grover Stewart has been such a constant. So a huge loss for the Colts. We already talked yesterday
0: and even Monday about the loss. Of Anthony Richardson potentially for the rest of the season, still waiting on a you know a final decision on that, but seems very likely that's the way that is trending. So, a couple of key players out for the Colts for the foreseeable future, if not the rest of the 2023 season. What will that mean? What does the ceiling look like for this Colts team moving forward? We'll get some more on that in hour number two at about 8:05 or so. Again, four six eight six two is how you reach us on the text line 46862. Don't forget the stream is back up and running. You can stream us 1380thefan.com. You can also download the free 1380thefan app and listen to us on there or on your smart speaker and reach us on Twitter, CalebKinney1380, the show handle. Uh, my handle is Caleb Hatch. Justin's is O P S. So also the text line again, 46862. And you can text homecoming to that number being the running for a four-pack of tickets. The IU and Rutgers on Saturday at Memorial Stadium.
1: Yeah, come on. Who wants to go to uh, to Bloomington? It's supposed to be a nice day on Saturday. Uh, partly cloudy, 65. I mean, for mid-October. That's ideal. Ideal. Pretty much. No, no threat of rain down in Bloomington. So, come on. Text in Homecoming. Let's get you down to Bloomington to watch IU and Rutgers on Saturday. I mean, especially if you're like an alum of IU, like a beautiful day to walk around campus, right? So go on, get those texts going.
0: Uh, Meanwhile, coming up on the other side, Jack Swarbrick says college sports is in crisis. I'll tell you all the ways he's wrong. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, with you on a Wednesday. College sports once again. Another hearing at Capitol Hill yesterday. And you have all the bigwigs talking to the other bigwigs <laughs> in suits. <laughs> big
1: a bigwigs convention.
0: Yeah. Just all complaining about how college sports is crumbling and it's in crisis and everything is bad. Uh, Jack Swarbrick, Notre Dame Athletic Director, outgoing. Notre Dame athletic director, I, I might add, because I feel like that's a key piece of this story. Wants Congress to pass legislation for players to negotiate terms with their conference, uh, it goes on to say it's, it, it's uh, calling for players to essentially have collective bargaining. He says college sports is in crisis. And again, easy for him to, uh-huh. to come up with these things. He's retiring early next year in February. Uh, also Notre Dame's not in a conference, so they would, certainly benefit because they wouldn't have to negotiate with a conference. They would well negotiate with themselves on this. So, uh, we continue to have all these things. This was again, the hearing with the Senate on athletes being deemed employees of schools. And that's kind of the upcoming discussion. People are upset that, um, well, the portal is working. They're upset that NIL is working and I get that a lot of people are pushing for a federal NIL law and maybe that is the route and maybe they figure that out, but they have to work on that instead of trying to push back against the changes that went through a couple years ago, all because again, the NCAA dug in their heels for years and years and years and then court cases didn't go their way. And then now they're scrambling and have been scrambling ever since.
1: Yeah, this is pretty absurd to me. When you look at it, because we've, we've both said for a while that all the, uh, all the people that used to have all of the power in college athletics are the ones saying that college athletics is in crisis, that it's on the verge of collapse and all this stuff. And yet you look at TV ratings that continue to be high of 7 million people watched Washington and Oregon. Uh, Last weekend, 10 million watched Colorado and Oregon week four. We talk about the Um, Pac-12. 6.8 million people watched Notre Dame USC on Saturday night. Tennessee, Texas A&M, 4.5 million. We can go on and on. And what, what their big issue is, is the adults that have always had complete control over college athletics, particularly football, no longer have 100% of the power. And that terrifies them. And since now that they don't have as much power as they used to, the sport is in crisis. The sport needs fixed, quote unquote. When ratings are still huge. Yeah, it's become, I would say, inarguably,
0: the second most popular sport, at least based on television. Right. But just in the last, what, two, three years? Yes. I mean, I mean its popularity it's, has, has gone up. It's it's shifted away from being a regional sport where it's popular here in the Midwest and obviously in the South, to being a true national sport and a national brand.
1: And you look at the stadiums, full, full, full. Let's get on to Bloomington. And this is this is a step with Jack Swarbook with like and that's what's going on with this Senate oversight committee is the adults, the big wigs want to get power back. And collective bargaining would give them the power back, or at least the conferences back. Right now, it's the wild, wild west with NIL. And it scares the living crap out of people that have always had the power in collegiate athletics. God forbid the players in which have been used to make millions of dollars over the years now have some of the power. And it terrifies Jack Swarbrick and the athletic directors and the university presidents, etc., cetera, etc., cetera and this is an effort not just this collective bargaining um idea but this whole senate oversight committee and all this stuff is a way to get the power back with the people that have always had the power and it's absurd to me is finally the athletes have a say in terms of of getting money and maybe really having an impact on what happens in college football outside of the ADs and coaches and the university presidents. And I think this is a step to try to corral that. And it's like they,
0: they finally got to a point with the portal, which what was one of the biggest frustrations in NCAA sports? It was that coaches can obviously leave for other jobs whenever, but players were stuck. You know, if, if their coach leaves, players were stuck. They didn't have an option to transfer and either follow that coach or go to a different school. They were stuck. They had to sit out a year if they wanted to transfer to another school and then play. I mean, it was always a stupid system, right? Right. It, it doesn't, it, it never made any sense. So they fixed that with a transfer portal, the one time transfer rule. That, that's problem number one fix. Problem number two is that based on the TV contracts, which now we're talking billions. In terms of the big 10 and the sec uh which is all of course revolving around football as it's become again second most popular sport in the country the other problem was okay the players get the scholarships and everyone argued for years well they get a, a, a full-ride scholarship and they get t- tuition and room and board and they get a stipend but when you go deeper beyond that the scholarships were actually a one-year renewable scholarship, so it could
1: be taken away. Yeah, you could yank it at any time.
0: Um, uh, people said, well, they, they're getting a free education. Uh, yeah, that was true. However, people then said, well, they're also getting a stipend, so they're getting money anyway. And it's like, yeah, they're getting money to, to barely pay for costs because they can't have a job. Like, due to their schedules, they can't have a job. So they're getting a stipend to, to help with that. So th- those are the other holes in that argument. And again, there's so many other costs not included, right? I mean, I don't think books, for example, are included. And that can be a big no. expense. Um, there are other expenses. And so they, they have to cover those expenses. So um, NIL helps with that for players. And the way it's worked so far, yes. Are there guys getting in the millions? Yes, we're talking the top of the top in, in college football.
1: And girls, too. And girls, yeah. Like Olivia Dunn at LSU. Yeah, yeah. Making a lot of money. Um, there's a player at UConn, a basketball player, that makes a lot of. I mean, it's it's opened up opportunities not just for football players for sure, and not just men as well. And on a smaller level,
0: like it's it's things that make so much sense that they couldn't do before. Like you know, host camps for kids. They can do that now. They couldn't do that before. I mean, like how how stupid.
1: Right, you know, like where Jackson some of these has rules. done that. The former Northrop player, now <laughs> Purdue Fort Wayne player, that had a uh, a camp. Uh, Connor Asesian did up in Wisconsin had a camp for kids. I mean, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And the fact that players
0: were in a spot where, th- yes, some of them are getting in- big endorsements from NIL, but a lot of it is just they can hold their own camps, make a little bit of money. Um, the fact that you know IU's done their Hoosiers for Good charity campaign where money raised goes to charity and, and a lot of players have done a lot with charities through NIL. Like we're talking a positive impact here, but yet the people in suits can't see beyond all the good, let alone the fact that between the portal and NIL, it's actually made college football more competitive. I mean, just think about how stale the product had gotten at the top for the last couple of years. This is the first year since, Oh, I don't even know. You go back to what to the first year of the college football playoff where it tr- truly feels wide open as a sport. Yeah. And because you've had four teams dominate in the last decade, and now Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yes, I get LSU had one good year and, and won a national championship during that time frame, but those four teams dominated the last decade. Decade. And this is the first season since. Uh, The first year of the college football playoff in 2014 that truly feels competitive and wide open. And a large part of that is due to
1: the transfer portal and NIL. Without a doubt. Colorado doesn't happen the way it's happened without NIL and transfer portal. And that's been a tremendous story this season. Like this
0: helps programs that are struggling be able to
1: rebuild quickly. Yes. And for I mean overall I just think it's it's something that's uh, NIL has its issues for sure the collectives are a little sketchy I get yeah, it. like yeah. there needs to be more regulation with NIL
0: and I'm on board with a a federal kind of NIL plan as long as the athletes themselves have representation and power that representation not being the NCAA
1: at the table <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing so it, it's not the athletes that are saying the, the the sport is in crisis. There aren't very many coaches that are saying the sport is in crisis. It's yeah, the university presidents. It's the ADs that have for a so long dictated what happens in college sports. Is the buck stopped with the suits in the corner offices? And now, they don't have all the power and it scares the living crap out of them. And they're trying to get it back. So what would collective bargaining do? It would put the mostly men in the corner offices have power again because all the NIL stuff would then go through the leagues. Okay. They're trying to regain control because this is a, and and we hear about this too, in the NBA too, that young players or young athletes, they can't be, they can't be trusted with all this money. We can't be just these players making all this money. Like it's their duty to babysit people. And one of the deals with one and done or when you were able to go directly to the league is, oh my gosh, these young athletes, particularly of color, can't be, be given all this money. They don't properly know what to do with all this money. That's not your problem. That's not your problem to tackle. And it's just all about control. And college sports has been controlled for the longest time by men in suits, basically. And now they don't have the 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 complete control and they're trying to get it back.
0: And the biggest thing with that is you can give the athletes resources and help and maybe focus on that as opposed to trying to get back control,
1: educate them instead of trying to find ways to take, but we know that's not what it's
0: about. And that's, that's the biggest issue I have in all of this. And, And the great part is a lot of these people can't really do anything about it. Why? Well, Jack Swarbrick's retiring. So he can say all he wants, but his say doesn't matter come February of next year because he'll no longer be the athletic director at Notre Dame. Uh, the the people on Capitol Hill, they can't even elect a speaker, so I'm not going <laughs> to not gonna hold my breath for them as far as putting together uh, something to help the NCAA on this issue because, oh, I don't know, this is what, the 10th hearing they've had in the last two, three years on this topic? So clearly they're making great progress based on what we've seen so far, because it's just the same complaining and whining and moaning about players getting paid in the transfer portal. Rinse repeat. Like this is just, this is the the biggest issue I have in all of this. Like you said, it's about control. They don't have control anymore. And the sport has been better for it. And yet they can't recognize that. I mean, the, the sport has clearly been better for it as far
1: as college sports. You know, it's hysterical about this whole thing. Is 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 the, the folks that 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 have lost control? They're saying how 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 cra- how the money is 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 exponentially going to get crazier and crazier, and this is going to go uh, a path they don't want. All this st- stupid money. Yet at the same time, with conference realignment and the stupid money that's being thrown around with that, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, and they're the ones in control of that. I find it hilarious
0: that Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten commissioner, is one of the guys representing on the panel. I'm like, so you're letting a former NBC Sports exec, is now a conference commissioner, put forth the argument that, you know, oh, there's too much money, we gotta, we yeah, got to figure true. out a way to save college sports. I'm like, look at who's on your panel, who's representing you. Hey, and the fact that it's a former Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker is the president of the NCAA. Come
1: on. I mean, these... <laughs> These schools are pocketing tens of millions of dollars. These leagues are making hundreds of millions of dollars per year because of TV rights and all this stuff. They're just, they're printing money. Yet the problem for them is the athletes making too much money. The athletes having too much control. Give me a break.
0: Text coming in at four, six, eight, six, two. I'm curious how NIL and the portal has affected minor sports other than football and basketball.
1: I think it's a fascinating question because... Oh,
0: sorry, I think they NIL and the portal.
1: There we go. I think it's a fascinating question because you hear so much about football and basketball. I do know that it's opened up opportunities for women athletes and NIL.
0: Again, the same thing we talked about, camps, like for they other minor camps. sports, yeah. you can have running camps, you can have a, a tennis camp, you can softball have... Softball camp. Softball camp. I mean, like, seriously. These opportunities were not there before for athletes to showcase their abilities, to Teach kids and, and high schoolers, you know about their sport and oh I don't know make a little money for once for putting in the work for their sport like this is not like we're not talking like they're getting rich here in these instances but it's just a, a way for them to do something in the off season or summer and give back to their local communities or give back to you know the community where their their school where they're playing is at like these are common sense things
1: that have been needed for quite some time. CK pointing out the hypocrisy of everyone comical. It, I mean, it's, it's comical with what's going on in the NCAA at the top level, or at least in college sports. Not, not the NCAA.
0: They did at least get something right. Ted Cruz upset, doesn't understand or like targeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't understand targeting or doesn't understand the, the rule. What's going on? With, I never know what's going on with Ted Cruz, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's the he, he does not understand targeting and it makes him mad when teams are penalized for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he's he's an A&M guy as far as I know. Uh, he showed up at a few Aggie games uh, over there. Maybe years. he'll be part of the buyout for Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> One would think. <laughs> we we know that he would have the money between
1: him and his wife. And to, that uh, let's, to buy out Jimbo Fisher. Going back to the conversation yesterday with Indiana Jimbo Fisher would be a dude that Indiana should go after. I'm 100% serious. If he gets fired from Texas A&M or bought out, whatever it's going to be, that would be a coach that IU, if it was serious about football, would say, "Yeah, we're going to go throw 7-8 million dollars a year, whatever it takes to get Jimbo Fisher in Bloomington."
0: And again, it, for as much people have pointed out about Texas A&M struggling with wins, they've had like what, one really good season under Jimbo. At, in College Station. Here's the thing. He's still an elite recruiter. I mean, he, he's a guy going out there out-recruiting Kirby Smart and uh, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and myriad of coaches at Ohio State over, over the years. So he's an elite recruiter and he's won a championship.
1: Yes, and yes. I don't and feel not like... With A&M, but yes.
0: I, I, I don't feel like the game necessarily has passed by as much as Texas A M and has a severe inflated sense of where they stand in college football. And I think they they have a lot of money. They're willing to spend the money, but there's clearly something missing within that program that's not getting them over the top. And I don't necessarily blame Jimbo Fisher for all those deficiencies.
1: I do think that his coaching style and his approach maybe doesn't fit in the SEC. Yes. But he's a dude that has gone to five consecutive bowl games, uh, four consecutive bowl games, not last year. And that would be huge at IU. Like Jimbo Fisher, if he came in and won eight, nine games a year at IU, uh, would, would would be immortalized at IU. So th- this is what we're talking about. This is when you get serious about your program is when you go after Jimbo Fisher. It sounds like his days are numbered in College Station, whether that comes this year, whether it comes next year, whatever. But that would be a coach that if I'm Indiana and I'm saying, okay, we're really, really going to focus on, on football. Jimbo Fisher would be a dude that I would go after.
0: 46862. Again, our text line number 46862. You can also text homecoming to 46862. And speaking of IU being the running for a four pack of tickets, the IU and Rutgers this Saturday afternoon, noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, again, as part of homecoming weekend. So I mean, your keyword at, homecoming.
1: Look at it this way. You, go to, you get free tickets to go watch IU and Rutgers. Let's say you buy some concessions there. Maybe you buy a t-shirt, whatever. All of that money will help buy out Tom <laughs> Allen's contract. Okay? So be a part of the solution. Text Homecoming. You can go down there, spend some money around campus, and all that money, or at least some of it, will help get rid of Tom Allen.
0: And make a weekend of it because Hoosier Hysteria is Friday night Yeah, and at 730 at, at Assembly Hall. You
1: can celebrate McNeely's commitment. Who knows? Maybe you can celebrate Boogie Flan's commitment on Friday.
0: Yeah, which I think you're really on to something with that. I'm not going to lie. I'm always on to something. (laughs) Four, six, eight, six, two. Again, homecoming, the keyword for IU tickets coming up on the other side. uh, Perhaps the most most criticized athlete in history can't even eat dinner without criticism. I'll explain what's going on there next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380. The fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380. The fan 100.9 FM. Text line blowing up. we got a lot more entries to see IU football against Rutgers on Saturday as part of homecoming. Again, keyword is homecoming to 46862. So send those texts. We'll pick a winner end of the show today. We'll have more tickets to give away tomorrow. I believe more on Friday uh, and Thursday and Friday as well. So plenty of ways to win all week long. Uh, Someone texting in IU too busy giving extensions and raises and huge buyouts to coaches that haven't done anything to afford guys like Jimbo.
1: That tells me they can't afford it. Um, No, it's a good text because it's true, but I agree. But figuring out how to use that wealth of money that they have in a positive way, not giving extensions to Tom Allen for one good year, not giving a raise to Mike Woodson for, I don't know, not doing his job, for actually doing his job. So I agree with Dexter. Uh,
0: 46862, the text line number. Someone asking if we will join... The winner for the IU game. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm busy this weekend. I will be, I'll, I'll ironically be in Southern Indiana. My wife and I are going oh to, yes, to Madison yes, an anniversary for our anniversary weekend. weekend. So uh,
1: now it didn't say us. It, it said, but do the best radio hosts in Fort Wayne join us for the IU game? That doesn't necessarily mean True. us. In fact, I highly doubt it means us. <laughs> uh, Brett Rump and Adam Lundy. I don't know if they're available to go down to the IU game this weekend, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean us. If it does. You don't listen to the radio very much. <laughs> <laughs> We're the best radio hosts in Fort Wayne. But, um, yeah, get to, uh, enter for the tickets uh, to to go down to uh, to Homecoming this weekend for IU and Rutgers. It's supposed to be a beautiful day, beautiful weekend down in Bloomington. Hopefully a beautiful weekend for you guys down in Madison. Yeah,
0: uh, it was looking great like a week ago, and then like pushing 70, and there was like a day that was like 80 degrees. around, And then last really? I saw... Yeah, last I saw, though it was low 60s. So I mean, for mid October, that yeah, but s- we're talking in Southern Indiana. I mean, it's basically in, literally we I can mean, cross a bridge and be in, be in Kentucky. So
1: you go south to get closer to the equator, <laughs> we're and you basically expect at the more equator. tropical weather down in <laughs> Southern Indiana. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm hopeful that
0: it's, it's at least sunny and above 60 degrees. That's, that's I think goal. that's
1: the the, the perfect mid October if you can get north of 60. Uh, it's it's a beautiful day for for mid late October.
0: I would agree, but I will point out that last year for our wedding it was sunny and like seventy two degrees. It was nice. It was. Uh, I mean, obviously not expected to be that.
1: No, nice. but it was nice. I mean, we were up on the uh, the rooftop of the uh, Bradley, right? Yes, Is that where we were for beautiful part of the reception. Yeah, because you know, I'm sure it was a worry for you guys. Like, man, if it's if it's cold or it's, you get a wind like up there, it's going to be freezing. But no, it was nice up there. We. Very much lucked out, very much so. So, but uh, yeah, you we'll have see. fun this weekend. We're you, actually celebrating 15 years of marriage today. Wow. Yeah, but you guys already did your celebration last weekend. Well, no, no, we were going to. Well, initially, oh yeah, that's right, because the movie, the movie was canceled. <laughs> Never heard this before in my life. We we show up for the movie at 7:10 and it's canceled, or at least moved to a later time. No explanation. I don't know why. I've never heard this before in my life. It was like 9.50 was going to be the next show. We're like, yeah, we're going home because we're old. But how we're celebrating 15 years of marriage today? Okay, let's see. My wife has a sinus infection. Uh, we have a parent-teacher conference at 4. And tonight I have to work late uh, with my day job. So that's how we're celebrating 15 years
0: of marriage. But you'll do something this weekend? No, probably no. no? So it was I mean, last what you did last week. It was week. supposed to
1: be last weekend. Yeah. Then we were supposed to go up to um, the Muskegon. Oh yeah! ended up not doing that because of what happened to what happened with that. Well, no, so, um, Morrison was sick at that time. And so we didn't feel like taking him. So yeah, it was just as a cluster all <laughs> around, man. When you, when you get old, you have kids. It's just, yeah, you'd like, it's a, it's a big one. 15, of course, but you just, you know, time. And you don't really feel comfortable with an 11 month old to be like, Hey, here's our kid for the weekend. Uh, I mean, your parents. Yeah, but I don't know if I want to put them in a position to watch him all weekend 11 month old i mean my parents her parents and in their 60s i don't want them to have to take care of a hellion for the entire weekend <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they would love to do it uh my mom would i don't know if my dad would <laughs> it gets in the way of watching football all weekend i'm sure her mom would it's always the uh the the, the grandfathers that are like i don't know about this but uh <laughs> but yeah at least you're you're getting away this weekend having fun in madison should should be good
0: uh so we will not have any issues with being criticized for eating dinner. I'm I'm sure. Uh, I hope not. But uh, an athlete criticized for eating his dinner at LeBron James. Uh, Former Laker Michael Cooper criticized LeBron for eating dinner on the bench during a preseason game. Is this like, like are we just being outraged to be outraged here? Because I simply don't care. Uh, no, nah, me neither. Uh, Cooper saying that LeBron's got to show more respect for the game. Come okay. on.
1: That sounds like something that happened. In baseball. Yeah. Those unwritten rules. Yeah. Baseball. I mean, he was like, it's not like he
0: was in his uniform. He, the first half was over. He changed to street clothes on the bench and was eating his dinner. My biggest question is what was he eating? I'm, I don't know. The I couldn't find that, not that information. It matters, but uh, That's what I was curious too. I mean, there's a picture, but I can't quite make out what was, is in the tray. Just no, no, like a, he's holding like a tray. No, no, it's like he's holding like a black plastic tray, clearly some food in it. He's got a, a fork,
1: some napkins. Hmm. Not sure what it is. Oh yeah, I see him. Uh, it looks like one of those uh, uh lasagna meals that you just throw in the oven. Uh-huh. Those little mini one things. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, he made a salad before he left home. I mean, that's the thing, like, you think about these these superstars that, you know, they're, does it go through their head like, hey, uh, I got a late night at work tonight, we got a, we got a game, I'm going to be on the bench, uh, got some leftovers in the fridge, some leftover mac and cheese, I got to make sure I, uh, I get that in Tupperware to take it not forget it. Like, does he <laughs> think that goes through the head of LeBron James? He's like leaving the house like, oh damn, I almost forgot my mac and cheese, I got to go run back in and get it. I, I don't think, want to have to buy Panera again.
0: <laughs> I think it's more that he has such a, such a regimented schedule that so like he was just eating on his schedule because it's preseason. He didn't think anything. Right. Of it. And nor it should funny. he. I mean, we're just being upset yeah, to, be upset. On,
1: just to be upset to be upset.
0: Uh, I mean, LeBron could cure cancer and people would still <laughs> criticize him. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Like that's like by far, I would say he's been the most criticized athlete in history.
1: Uh, At least in the social media, the modern era, I would definitely agree. I I can't think of another athlete that's dealt with crap like this for no reason. CK, this is why I love golf. Tell me another sport that you can scarf down two hot dogs during the match. (laughs) I agree. Or just drink yourself to excess in golf. I don't golf, but I love driving a golf cart and drinking. Driving a golf cart is
0: fun. I agree especially when they're electric. I don't like the, the gas ones. It's just not necessary.
1: I go up when you when you go up to the lake in the summer or you go to like small towns and people are like whizzing around with the golf yes, carts. Yes. Like that's the biggest perk to me is living in a senior community or like lake. Like yeah, it's be, lake house would be great, lake, but I'm like these people just zip around on golf carts. This is amazing. And it's like socially acceptable. Yes, it's socially acceptable. Like you could pass a cop. There are golf cart paths care. like on the roads yes. in some of these places. That's where I want to live. Whether it's when I retire or whatever, my first question for any retirement community or if I move south or get a lake house or whatever is, uh, is, is are there are there cart paths for golf carts or is it socially acceptable was on golf carts? That would be my biggest thing. I want to at some point be the guy that drives down to the end of his driveway to get the mail <laughs> in a golf cart. That's my goal. Everybody's got different goals in life. That's mine.
0: That's, I mean, that... That is like peak, like you made it in retirement goal. How did we get here talking about this? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, golf. Golf, yeah. Eating text golf. about golf. 46862. Again, don't forget, you can text homecoming to 46862 and be in the running for uh, 4 packet tickets. To see IU and Rutgers homecoming on Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium. Uh, someone else texting in Tom Brady as far as criticized athletes. I'm going to push back because unless you're a Colts fan,
1: I don't feel like he was criticized that much. I do think that Tom Brady is similar in LeBron James in the sense that people don't like him because he's really good. He's a legend in his sport. Other than the fact that Tom Brady won a hell of a lot of games and Super Bowls, what's the reasoning why you don't like him? Because he's really good. Yeah, that's the same thing with LeBron. Like the, The basis of why don't you like LeBron is because he's one of the elite players ever.
0: But with LeBron, and unlike with Brady, like everything LeBron does, like is subject to being scrutinized. Yeah, to the f- even eating on the bench. Yeah, apparently, which is just absurd. Coming up on the other side, the loss of Anthony Richardson and Grover Stewart lower the ceiling for the Colts. But how low does it go? We'll take a look at win possibilities and where they're really at by the end of this season. That's next as we kick off hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM hour number two here on a Wednesday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM, Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Thanks for sticking around with us here on your Wednesday. Coming up this hour on the show, taking a look at what the Colts ceiling is now with the loss of Anthony Richardson, possibly for the season, Grover Stewart, for at least the next six games due to a suspension. Plus, more safety breakthroughs, the latest numbers on what the Guardian Caps are doing for the NFL, but yet no change. And we'll be joined by the newest Indiana Pacer. Former Warsaw and Indiana Wesleyan basketball player Kyle Mangus will join us around 8.30. He signed an Exhibit 10 deal with the Pacers, will likely play for the Mad Ants this season. We'll talk about his career since he first Worked out with the Pacers back two years ago and how he's come all the way back to Indiana and speeding tickets. We, we probably all received one, but you probably never received a fine for this much money. I will explain what happened to a Georgia man for going 90 and a 55. Heftiest fine I think that, I've ever seen.
1: I mean, that is unsafe.
0: Yes, but it is also an absurd fine that will explain what's happening there. Uh, around 8.50 or so. Also, don't forget, still have a chance to win IU Rutgers tickets today. We're giving away a four-pack. We'll pick a winner into the show, so just text HOMECOMING to 46862. Again, HOMECOMING to 46862. You'll be in the running. See IU and Rutgers Saturday afternoon, noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium as part of HOMECOMING weekend down in Bloomington. Again, the text line number 46862 and the keyword HOMECOMING. If you'd like to win a four pack of IU records tickets for Saturday. Mm. So the Colts. Well, it it went from a season of promise two weeks ago, right? To suddenly it feels like everything is, is gone to crap (laughs) within like three days. Yeah. I mean, you had Anthony Richardson's injury and again, placed on IR, no surprise, but you you thought he could come come back. You lose to Jacksonville. That's not really a big surprise. The, really, the surprise is that it was not even really competitive. Uh-huh. Then you have Monday morning with the news that Richardson could elect for surgery, miss the season. Then Tuesday, you, you have Jim Irsey saying um, that well, he could possibly miss the rest of the season.
1: Is it something we should look into that that yet has? That has not yet been announced because when it was talked about, when Ian Rappaport and and Adam Schefter were on, it said it was going to be announced as as soon as Monday Mm -hmm. and hasn't happened yet. Thought maybe Tuesday. I thought maybe Wednesday. Is that just a formality or do you think there's more discussion on maybe that not happening? And that's why we haven't got official word yet.
0: My guess is, I mean, they're evaluating all options and they're going to at least, you know, try to see several specialists, right? I mean, why not get a second, even a third opinion on this,
1: right? before moving forward. We'll see. Could could that be... Could it? Is it leaving the door open for Anthony Richardson to return, or is this a formality that eventually it'll be announced? We'll see.
0: C- considering this has been something that he's dealt with since high school, now it hasn't played an issue as far as we know up until again this year, so we're talking, what, a five, six-year gap there. Well, actually, no, not. Not even that long. Yeah, what? Like a three-year, four-year three four gap. Three-year, four-year. But... You of that news, and we're still awaiting you know, a final decision there. I've not heard or seen anything on that. And then, of course, what came down yesterday, Grover Stewart, Colts' nose tackle uh, suspended for violating the league's performance-enhancing drugs policy. Again, no details, but this would likely lend to some sort of anabolic agent uh, that he took. So he's out at least the next six games. And again, the earliest he would return to the active roster December 4th and that would be in line for the Week 14 game at Cincinnati. So you lose, obviously, your rookie quarterback who was playing well to injury and then could lose him for the rest of the season. You lose one of your key defensive players, probably one of your top three defensive guys in Grover Stewart, out for the next six games in what was looking like a season-full promise, even after the loss to Jacksonville. I mean, you still felt like there was that opportunity for seven wins, maybe eight. I think they can still get there. Really? Nine? I just Nine think is
1: best case scenario yes. to
0: me. And, and the schedule opens up. I mean, you look at the remaining games. We've talked about it. All these games are winnable, but all of them are losable. They all feel like toss-ups. It's not like any of these matchups on here. Are the Colts going to be so far out of their depth with any of these teams? I mean, the the toughest one, I guess, would be at Cincinnati. And I say that because it's on the road. And I think Cincinnati's figured it out. It's really hard to tell. But they've at least figured some things out after another slow start this year, which they did the same last year. But outside of that, you have some teams that are very beatable. I mean, you have New England. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, You have Carolina playing a rookie quarterback. And they've struggled. They just switched who's calling the plays on offense. The Saints. The Saints. Uh, you have the Houston again, this time at home. You have the Raiders and they're dealing with injuries at quarterback. Uh, the Falcons a team that just, if if you were to look at a, a team and say they're mediocre, I would say it's the Falcons.
1: Because <laughs> the definition of mediocre.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Steelers, same thing where Kenny Pickett, they don't know if he's the guy. Uh, the Bucks, good defense. Baker Mayfield has his limitations uh, at Tennessee. We don't have to really go over that one. So, there are plenty of opportunities for wins here down the stretch. Also, plenty of opportunities for losses. And, you know, I still felt pretty good even after the Jacksonville loss because Jacksonville should far and away win this division and it shouldn't be close. You, you sweep the Colts. Um, the Titans don't feel like a threat this year at all compared to years past. We know Houston is, is still a work in progress, though it feels like they're maybe even a year ahead of schedule with C.J. Strab playing as well as he has so far this season. But I still felt good after the, the Jacksonville loss. I, I thought, okay, 7-8 or eight win team, that, that felt very realistic. But losing one of your best offensive players and when you had a defense that already didn't play well against Jacksonville just does not feel like things are trending in a positive direction.
1: And let's say that Gardner Minshew is the dude going forward. And you look at Gardner Minshew, we've talked about him being one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He's good for spot starts, coming in in relief of a guy who's injured. We've seen that this season, right? But one thing Gardner Minshew isn't is a dude that over an extended period of time in which he is starting games is effective. You look at his 2019 season when he started four, 12 games for Jacksonville. They went 6-6. Six and six. The year after started 8 games for the Jaguars. They went 1 and 7. That was the last time he really had an expanded amount of time in terms of starting games. He's a mediocre at best quarterback long term as a starter. So, you're putting a lot of onus for the Indianapolis Colts on that running game and that defense. And by losing Grover Cleveland or excuse me, yeah, Grover Cleveland uh, Grover Stewart. Or Grover Stewart. Grover Stewart. Cleveland. Grover that's, Cleveland a, that's a blast former, in the past. Former president, right? Or baseball player. <laughs> he lost Grover Cleveland. Uh, the, the, losing the former president, Grover Cleveland, was uh, a big it, deal, the
0: too. The 24th, US, uh, t- sorry, 22nd and 24th U.S. president.
1: Yeah, that's the only guy that's, uh, that's went back to back, or at least was out of office, then came back and served four more years. Anyway, I'm talking about <laughs> Grover Cleveland here. We're talking about Grover Stewart. It's not even President's Day. No, <laughs> I don't know how I got Grover Cleveland. <laughs> uh, so um, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, the, the defense. So the, you lose an anchor of your, your interior line with your nose tackle and Grover Stewart being out. And so that puts immediate pressure on the rest of that defense. The, the inexperienced or the young secondary as well. And it's going to be. A a storyline to watch going forward, especially starting this week, when you play a a a ball or a uh, Cleveland team that has been tremendous defensively, allowing just twenty three percent third down conversions. They're allowing the fewest total yards per game over any defense over the last forty seasons at two hundred yards per game. They have been absolutely tremendous defensively, and Indianapolis is going into that game. With Gardner Minshew.
0: But did you know that Grover Cleveland actually worked while New York governor uh, with state assembly minority leader Theodore Roosevelt
1: passing reform measures? You know, Theodore Roosevelt attention? got around, man. I mean, that dude was, <laughs> I did not know this. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt was the police commissioner in New York City. That's quite a job. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not know that it was like two years. He was police commissioner in the late 1890s, mid to late 1890s before he uh, was governor of New York.
0: Wouldn't that be like the, uh, I guess this would be after that, but close to the like gangs of New York era, right? Was that the like 1860s, 70s?
1: Yes. So uh, if you watch the alienist on TNT, which I've watched, it's a good period piece, late 1890s. Uh, they have Theodore Roosevelt as a character in there because he's a police commissioner in that, and it is Five Points esque type show, you know, and you're dealing with um, with all that stuff, kind of like in Gangs of New York. But yeah, I never knew that he was a police commissioner. Anyway, Any, anyway
0: Grover Stewart, not to be confused with Grover, Grover Cleveland. Cleveland. That was a great aside, by the way. <laughs>
1: So, how the hell did we get here? I, I, I don't know. Just a, <laughs> just me, just a run of the talking, Greg. <laughs> Yeah. A fair lay at Grover Stewart on the mind. I
0: don't know. Uh, Grover Stewart though, his, his loss. I really think this impacts the defense because you're talking about one of the position groups of strength. In fact, the position group of strength outside of linebacker on the Colts defense is the interior defensive line. So that means it's going to be a lot harder to stop the run to get pressure on the quarterback I just like we saw the Colts defense against a, an offense that actually has some pieces and it did not look good against Jacksonville on Sunday. This and you, just, and you yeah. could say, well, it was a bad performance. Yes, it was just a bad performance. You can chalk that up to being an off game on the road, et cetera. But this is going to be, I think more of the norm. And we already know about offensively. It's going to be hard to run the ball. when Gardner Minshew can't beat you vertically
1: down the field. This is, how this is shaping up on Sunday is a game that the Indianapolis Colts win. Because we're talking about the entire week of why they won't or the issues going into Sunday. How good the Cleveland defense is. You don't have Anthony Richardson. You lose lose Grover Stewart and and Grover Cleveland for that matter. (laughs) And this is just how the Colts are. Is when they give you optimism, they'll fall. When you have, when you're a pessimist, that's when they give you hope. That's just what this Indianapolis Colts team is going to do throughout this entire season. It's going to be very much win-loss, win-loss, maybe a couple losses in a row, maybe a couple wins in a row, but they're just going to really be that team that has ebbs and flows, but in the end, it's just an average football team. But I'd look at this game, and we're, we're talking about every reason why they won't win, but they could very well go out there and have a really good game and win. Not to mention the fact that they're wearing their Indiana Knights uniforms Ooh. for the first time. For a noon up on kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Indiana Knights at a uh, or, or well,
0: sorry, one, one one, kick one off, noon kickoff. Noon pregame. Uh here's my thing though. Ultimately like with these losses and if Richardson truly is out for the rest of the year, like we've seen how much the Colts have struggled with with Minshew being the guy as opposed to the relief pitcher. I go back to that five six wins as opposed to the seven or, or eight. Is a possibility.
1: You you think they only win two or three more games over because the defenses the get,
0: have, have figured out the Colts. Like they know who Gardner Minshew is. The thing with Anthony Richardson is you you don't have enough tape to truly know who he is, right? And the Colts don't have that luxury. And obviously, you know Gardner Minshew can't beat you with his legs, and you can't throw the ball down the field. So you take away two elements that were super helpful with the offense with Anthony Richardson. So I go back to looking at you know five, six wins, and then being a a team that is not really going to threaten you much on offense. Because you know the Colts want to run the ball, but so does everyone else.
1: I think it brings up an interesting uh, discussion because it's further proof that the running back position and Jonathan Taylor in particular doesn't have as great of an impact as some people think. Never in this conversation this week have we talked about, well, Jonathan Taylor, once he rounds into form, he will lead this Colts team. Because Zach Moss is still second in the league in rushing. And you lose your quarterback. You lose an impact nose tackle for a significant amount of time. Those are greater impacts overall on your team than having a Pro Bowl running back back in Jonathan Taylor. You are already running the football without him. So this really proves my point on how marginalized the running back position is, is because we're not talking about, well, when Jonathan Taylor is at full strength and is getting the um, significant amount of carries that we expect him to in in the weeks ahead, that will change the fortunes of this Colts team. No, we're all focusing on the quarterback position and that defensive front as why the Colts will or won't get to between five or nine wins. It's not the discussion about the running back and that proves the point of how unimportant that position is in terms of the impact on a team. I mean, quarterback, defensive line, wide receiver. I mean, these are more
0: critical positions in today's NFL. than Cornerback, running back. yes. Corner. Yeah, uh, and, and corner. Yeah. Um, here's, here's my biggest thing is Jonathan Taylor can make more of an impact and we already saw this on Sunday in the passing game than I think he's going to make in, in the rushing game because of Again, the way this Colts offense is set up now.
1: But I think if if the approach is, well, we're going to lean a lot on Jonathan Taylor and Zach boss to lead us without a quarterback, that's not a recipe for success in today's NFL.
0: No, no, it's You have
1: not. to be able to get the ball downfield and at least through one week with Gardner Minshew and a skill position group that lacks a game breaker. I don't think the Colts can do that consistently enough.
0: 46862, your text line number 46862. Again, you can text HOMECOMING to that number. Me and the running for a four-pack of tickets. See IU and Rutgers on Saturday at Memorial Stadium down in Bloomington as part of HOMECOMING weekend. Again, the text keyword HOMECOMING to 46862 if you want to win a four-pack of IU tickets. Coming up on the other side, guarding and caps show promise, a look behind the numbers, but yet no changes. What gives, NFL? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. You sent me this, I think, what, in a text yesterday? Some new data on Guardian caps in the NFL. Uh Uh-huh. All good news. Well, until we get to the end. So the NFL hit a seven-year low in concussions in training camp thanks to the Guardian caps. Also, concussions 46% lower in comparison to the three-year average without the caps. And for players who didn't wear them, Concussions up 50%. So the position groups that were wearing them in training camp, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, running backs, tight ends, linebackers. Quarterbacks obviously have the the red jersey, so they're no contact. Um, So these are staggering differences when you look at the numbers. Up 50% for those who didn't wear guardian caps, down 46% in comparison to the three-year average uh, without the caps for the new position groups. So in a seven-year low, for concussions overall in training camp, G- great news all around. Yeah, minus the you know why are players not wearing them? That aspect. I mean,
1: well we know why. It's because they can't put logo. Well, you can. It just will look funky. can But even logos. in training
0: camp, though. I mean, just yeah, yeah. In have veins. everyone sure. wear them. But really, that's the the biggest takeaway here. Is there's no reason for a player to not wear a guardian cap in training camp or practice for that matter. Now, as far as In games, yeah, we we know that the reason why they're not taking advantage of this safety solution is because of branding, plain and simple. Now, I'm sure there's a way to put logos on guardian caps and it'll look a little goofy at first and then after a year, you'll get used to it. Now, the NFL is betting on helmet technology to just rapidly improve so it'll be built in to the helmet technology, but I don't think that's something that is as imminent as the NFL would like to think.
1: Well, I think it's similar to the conversation we had yesterday about turf and grass. As the NFL is hoping that the turf technology catches up to grass in terms of safety. And I think that's where you're at with Guardian Caps as well. The NFL is saying, well, eventually the actual helmet design will catch up and be as safe as the Guardian Cap. But why wait? Why just yeah. not use the Guardian Cap until the helmet technology does catch up? Here's the thing. This data...
0: It sets up well if you're a player for future lawsuits. Yeah. I I mean, because you could argue as a player, if you suffer a lot of concussions and it becomes an issue, you could argue, well, this is negligent on the NFL's part that the guardian caps were not used for your position group in training camp or in games or in preseason games. If you suffer a concussion, you you could argue the NFL is negligent. And I get that people don't like that. Oh, you know, everyone's just trying to looking for a lawsuit. But look, this this is this is like the definition of having a solution and not
1: doing anything for it. That's negligence. If a player was told like, "Hey, one more concussion and your career is going to be over." And he elected to wear a guardian cap in a game. Would the NFL I mean you could fine him, I guess, for not having the proper uniform like you do with people wearing customized uh, yeah. cleats and stuff, yeah. but What is preventing somebody from doing that other than being fine? And would the NFL really fine somebody for wearing a guardian cap for a a guy? if, If he comes in and says, hey, you've been told one more concussion, your career is over. If he says, I'm not stepping foot on a field without a guardian cap on again and decided to do that, what would the NFL do? Would they actually try to find that person, make him look like the bad guy when he's just purely protecting his health?
0: Can you imagine if Tua Tagovailoa went out there and said, "I, I I'm going to play, but only with a guardian cap"? What does the NFL do? Like until one a player of their premier players? This. Yeah,
1: it's a great point. One of its premier players says, "I'm not playing unless I'm wearing a guardian cap." What would a franchise do? What would the NFL do? It's a phenomenal point. We're not just talking about any run of the mill lineman. We're talking about one of the more electric players that has. Issues with concussions.
0: So until we have something like that happen, and let's not be surprised if it happens this year or next year, because the data is clear. The data is, is making an impact, and a good impact, not a negative one. But at some point, the NFLPA and players need to actually push the issue, and they have their opening right here. The fact that the NFL just went out and released all this data, not realizing, you know, you're really setting yourself up to fail by doing this. You, you got to find a way to protect yourself from what the players in the NFL PA want to do. And rightfully so, because, well, if you're going to be all about safety, then actually be all about safety. Don't give it lip service. And, and in this case, the NFL is certainly giving it lip service and not doing enough.
1: At least in this respect. And we'll see if anything comes about this. We've, we've talked about guardian caps in the past and just, more and more information coming out that, yes, they make football significantly safer when it comes to head injuries.
0: Coming up on the other side, Kyle Mangus, former Warsaw grad, uh, Indiana Wesleyan basketball player, newest Indiana Pacer. He may not play for the Pacers this season, but we'll tell you who he will play for, and uh, we'll talk with him about being back in Indiana. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. You're on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, you can text HOMECOMING to 46862. in your keyword today, HOMECOMING to 46862. And you'll be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to IU and Rutgers in Bloomington coming up this Saturday afternoon, homecoming weekend at IU. Noon kickoff uh, for that one at Memorial Stadium. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show, so still some time to get your entries in. Joining us now, and it'll be a homecoming for this player, Kyle Mangus, Warsaw grad, Indiana Wesleyan grad, uh, basketball player, played overseas, but he's back home in Indiana. Kyle Mangus signing an Exhibit 10 deal with the Pacers. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
2: Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited about all of it and most excited about being back in Indiana.
0: So, yeah, let's get to that. So with this deal at what point did you kind of feel like there was a shot that this was going to come together? You, you worked out with this team a couple years ago, uh, but w- at what point did you kind of realize there was an opportunity to come play ball in Indiana again?
2: Yeah, I had a couple of workouts with um, the Pacers after I graduated from Indiana Wesleyan a couple years ago. Um, and the workouts went really well. It just, there wasn't a spot or an opportunity for me at the time, but um you know we, we stayed in touch with the coaching staff and that type of thing and this year really wanted to try to go for it so I had to work out with these guys um at the end of August and um workout went super well and they actually offered me this contract um right after the workout so I I've, I've known for about a month and a half but they just haven't been able to publicly release it until um yesterday so um Kind of was back and forth on: Am I going to go to Europe, or am I going to do the do the uh, the G League, or or try to go for it um, here in the states this year? And knew I wanted to, wanted wanted to go for it, so that's how it happened.
1: What went into that decision, Kyle? When you said, when you're thinking, okay, do I do I try to pursue this, or do I go back overseas? And and how did you kind of weigh the positives and negatives of each?
2: Yeah, it's difficult because I've been in Europe and kind of have built up some. Some uh, some of my resume and equity over there, which which has been good. But I knew I wanted something different this year. And you know, every every kid wants to try to chase their dreams and you know, go for a shot at the NBA. And um, I'm 24, so I'm still pretty young, you know. And I was like, man, this this could be the year to do it. So that was kind of my thinking. Um, Try something different this year. Try to stay in the United States. I don't even know if it would be with the Pacers, but um, you know, I'm very blessed how it happened and. Yeah, pumped to be in Indianapolis.
1: For those unfamiliar with the Exhibit Ten deal, what what uh, what does that entail for you? How do you understand it?
2: Yeah, it's the it's the most confusing contract I would say to understand. <laughs> it's, it's right it's right below a two way contract. People understand a two way, which is where a player is kind of back and forth between the G League and the NBA team. So with an Exhibit Ten, I get a training camp deal, so I'm present for some of the training camp with the Pacers, and then I have a chance to convert it to a two-way deal, but if not, I get basically a nice bonus, and they I go down and play with the Mad Ants, um, which are right in Indy this year. They moved from Fort Wayne, so that's most likely what happens, but that's kind of what an exhibit ten is.
0: Kyle Mangus joining us on the guest line. Uh, you worked out with the Pacers in the pre-draft process back in 2021. What did you learn then as far as, as as a player and what maybe some things you need to work on some things to to maybe stay connected with the team how how helpful was that in this process
2: yeah it was super helpful um just to be around nba coaches and see what nba players look like because you know it's it's funny i feel like like growing up or in high school and college i felt like i was a good athlete you know long tall but then you get here and like i'm probably on the lesser side of that, you know, I'm one of the shorter guys, probably one of the least athletic guys. So I have to, you know, be creative in my role and understand what my role is on the team. I'm not going to be a guy who would come in and score probably 25 points a game or that type of thing. I have to know my role and probably realize I'm going to be a shooter, do the little things, kind of attack, close out, create for my teammates. Um, so I think, I think that's important when you get to a level this high as understanding your role and, What's going to get you on that floor and what's going to help your team win? What can you do to help your team win?
1: Kyle, in terms of what the Pacers have told you, whether it's with the Pacers or the Mad Ants, do they they like you most at an off-guard position as a two-guard? Is that kind of what they've told you?
2: Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, I see myself playing that. I mean, for sure, being able to come off ball screens as well with the ball in my hands, but definitely spotting up off the ball, um, hitting shots and uh, attacking closeouts, like I said.
0: Kyle Mangus joining us. You played in in Lithuania last season. What has been the overseas experience like for you? Obviously, it's a lot different living in Europe and playing over there, but what have you you gained from it, and and what was maybe perhaps the the biggest kind of change for you in adjusting to life over in Europe?
2: Yeah, it's been been good for me over there. Um, It is a huge adjustment. You know, I'm living in Indiana my whole life, and then uh, going to Europe by myself, like man, it, it, man, that is a huge adjustment. Um, but it, it definitely caused me to grow on and off the court. Um, playing in Lithuania for one, they have a really good basketball league. They love their basketball there. Um, it's so physical. Guys are really smart. The game's a little bit slower paced, um, whereas over here in the G League and NBA, it's faster. Um, but guys are really smart. Like, you have to be able to defend, you have to be able to rebound, you have to be able to be physical. So um, I've learned a lot over there and just gained experience playing um, in in another high-level league. So I think that'll help me um, for sure this year.
1: When you look at playing overseas, I know plenty of people growing up with their basketball players don't think, oh, I I can't wait to grow up and go play in the Czech National Basketball League. But you can make, a lot of people make a lucrative living playing overseas. And I, yeah. I don't think it has the stigma that it used to, but uh, how is that experience and, and how, I mean, it, it's 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 really good basketball when you go over there and play overseas and you can make good money. And, and I'm sure for you it was a difficult decision to say, okay, I'm going to pass that up for a shot to play in the NBA. But when that's the goal, it seems like a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, that's a that's absolutely. That's a great point. Um, there are so many good leagues over in Europe, and there are so many leagues in general Um Europeans really love their basketball and it is a little bit different style than here in the U S but yeah, there's so many good countries over there. I mean, Lithuania was really good, but Germany, Spain, Italy, Greece, uh, Turkey, like the list goes on Japan. um, So yeah, a lot of players do stay over there and because they are making such good money, that money they keep. I mean, they pay your taxes over there. They give you housing, they provide you with a car. So it is, some really good setups over there, but um, yeah, I just wanted something different this year. And, um, you know, said I, I think I would be regretting it if I didn't try to at least try this, this, um, this G league, this, this contract thing at least once. So that's what I'm going for this year.
0: Kyle Mangus joining us off the court. What was like the biggest culture shock or like, Oh, I'm not in America anymore moment for you over there playing overseas.
2: Yeah, I would say, Just like, I mean, my first year I was in a big city called Prague, um, Prague, Czech Republic, which has two and a half million people. So it was an awesome city, just like being in a city, um, like going to the grocery store and not like recognizing much, um, going to restaurants, just hearing like, not really hearing English much, going to a restaurant, like trying to order, um, like some people speak English, the younger people, but... A lot of the older people don't speak English. So just like communicating with people, I think is the most difficult, difficult thing. Um, So I'm not taking that for granted this year. Just having coaches and and teammates who I can really have in-depth conversations with, um, that's going to be huge. Communicating is probably the hardest thing over there.
1: Is there something culinary that you fell in love with over there? Is there something now that you crave from Czechoslovakia or Lithuania food-wise that you were able to take in?
2: Ooh, I definitely like the Czech food better than Lithuania. Um, they had some, I mean, schnitzel was really good. Um, they had goulash, which is good. It's kind of like a soup, like potatoes are so common in Europe. I'm kind of sick of those a little bit. <laughs> um, but, I mean, nothing I really crave. I would crave American food while I was over there. My mom's homemade cooking and just things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not picky on food. I would love to try new things, so that was... Uh, fun experience for me
0: so talking about you know american food and craving that like were there options for quote-unquote american food that they had like in the grocery store that was not quite right or even like at say like a fast food chain where they have different menu options so it's not the same as in america
2: yeah i mean i could find like a burger or a burger and fries i could find a youtube but even like going to a McDonald's over there is interesting. Like the menu is a little different, um, and it's more like they see they see it more as like a higher end type place than kind of we see it. Um, I, like it's funny. I would never go to mcdonald's I've never gone to McDonald's really here in the U.S. But over in Lithuania and Czech, I would, probably would go like five or six times a year just because like it feels like home a little bit in there. Um, so that that's kind of interesting.
1: Kyle mangus joining us former uh, Warsaw tiger former Indiana Wesleyan wildcat as well and signing an exhibit 10 deal with the Indiana Pacers and Kyle in terms of, of what's next on the horizon I mean are, are you just uh, prepping for camp and how how what the schedule is for you and will you know if you're on the roster when you're being sent down what's the situation right now
2: yeah I'm down in downtown Indy right now it's it's an amazing setup down here um, I'll be living at an apartment. They have us moving in Friday um to these apartments right next to the practice facility and Gainbridge Fieldhouse. So it's all really good set up. We'll be able to use those every day, whether I'm on the Mad ants or the Pacers. Um so really really cool of them. Yeah, right now just I was in practice with the Pacers yesterday, which was cool. Um, didn't really do much but was present at practice. Um, today just kinda doing workouts I think for the rest of the week. Pretty similar. Um but, yeah, I'm just trying to soak it up, take advantage of all all the facilities and try to get to know my coaches and teammates better right now.
1: How big is it for your family being able to watch you at Warsaw and IWU and then I'm sure having to stream at all hours overseas, now they'll be able to, to watch you again in
2: person? Yeah, for sure. They they were streaming all the games no matter what time of the day it was. Um, so I think they were probably – my mom and my fiancé were even more excited than me when they heard I was staying home in Indiana and not – not going to have to say that really hard goodbye at the airport this year. Um, that'll be just great to see so many familiar faces at games and you know, be able to be around for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for birthdays, for weddings. Like, Those are the tough things that you miss out on when you do go overseas because when you go, you don't come back until the season's over. So mentioned that's your f- another huge thing.
1: Yeah, you mentioned your family, and and Tim played, and your mom Ann played, even your older brother mm-hmm. Jake played. Who who's who, who has the best shot? Still, I, I mean, you're going to say yourself, right?
2: <laughs> I mean, I would say myself. My mom, she, I mean, she's the best free throw shooter. My dad, I think he's the he loves the bank shot, so he's the best <laughs> from the wing. Um, but my brother and my brother has the best shot fake in the family, so they're all kind of good at their own thing.
1: Yeah, when in doubt, just say mom, right? Mom's got the best shot. <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: Kyle Mangus, former
0: Warsaw player, iwoo player, now Exhibit 10 deal with the Pacers. Kyle, good luck uh, in training camp, and we look forward to being able to see you play this upcoming season here back in the States in Indiana.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, always appreciate it. Too bad uh, Mad Ants couldn't be in Fort Wayne one more year. You guys could probably make it to a few games. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's almost like you just one year off and we have <laughs> yeah. a lot more, uh, here locally to, to talk about and, and be visible, but Hey, sometimes things timing is everything, right? So, uh, congrats yep. on, on the opportunity and look forward to what you can do this season down in Indy.
2: Yep. Thank you guys so much.
0: That's Kyle Mangus with us on the guest line as he gets set for the upcoming season. And, and, and again, whether it's, you know, on the Pacers or with the Mad Ants, it's still really, really cool to be able to come back and, and you know, as you mentioned, there are benefits to playing overseas and he detailed that obviously it pays a lot better. than I think people think you get a car, you get a place, you get a lot yeah. of perks, no tat. The taxes are paid yeah. for you. Like, I mean, that's, that's really nice. Up, like, wait, what? Yeah. Seriously.
1: Your I first up when, he, when he
0: said, yeah, they provide a car and a place. I'm like, so you don't have to
1: pay for housing or yeah.
0: transportation.
1: You're not paying taxes. Yeah, amazing. So, I mean, when you look at the opportunity for Kyle to go in and see, see, this is maybe the only one and only opportunity that he'll have to try to make it to the NBA. Even if it's just a game or two games or being able to dress uh, for the Pacers at some point, reaching that goal, he still has plenty of time to go back overseas and play. But like he said, this was, this was an opportunity he couldn't pass up to at least have the opportunity to make it to the NBA. So good luck to, uh, to Kyle and, and, and happy to have him on the show. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things
0: up here on a Wednesday. Perhaps the most expensive speeding ticket I have ever seen. This happened to a Georgia man. We'll explain what happened to him next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan. 100.9 FM wrapping it up here on Wednesday. So we've had speeding tickets before. We'll own it. But I don't think we've ever had a speeding ticket like this. So a man in Georgia received, I'm not even kidding, a $1.4 million speeding ticket. Ah, but city officials say the figure just a placeholder, not the actual fine. Okay. Connor Cato uh, told the TV station in Savannah, Georgia, he received the citation after he was pulled over in September for driving 90 and a 55. Okay. Obviously that's, it's going pretty quick. Okay. He called the court thing. The figure was a typo. but says he was told he either had to pay it or appear in court in December. So being official say anyone caught driving more than 35 miles per hour above the speed limit has to appear in court or a judge will determine the actual fine. But they said, Oh, that figure is just a placeholder automatically generated by e citation software,
1: yeah. So it wasn't even the cop that wrote no. in one point four million dollars. I don't know if he was issued the citation and said go to this site to see how much you owe, and then that's when it said one point four million dollars. I'm not really sure, but um, he will not ex- be expected to pay that. No, the actual
0: fine cannot exceed thousand dollars in addition to state mandated costs. So it's going to be a lot less than one point four now, million dollars. The
1: exact balance—it's not just one point four million dollars. The exact balance was one Okay, $1,480,038.52. I love the 52 cents element. That's what, that's what puts it over. That's what <laughs> makes it ridiculous, is that 52 cents. But uh, yeah, he, uh, he was told this might be a typo. Uh, no, sir, you either pay the amount on the ticket or you come to court on December 21st at 1.30. So this, the, the program, the system is designed to make people come to court. Uh, but, uh, interesting. Maybe they'll have to adjust the e-citation software a little bit. here's the part I find ridiculous.
0: Uh, one of the quotes from, uh, a a spokesman for Savannah city government said, we do not issue that placeholder as a threat to scare anybody into court. Uh, huh. Even if this person heard differently from somebody in our organization. Yeah. How is that not a threat? What's the most you
1: paid for a ticket? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, 150 bucks, 200 bucks. I think I still have an outstanding ticket in like Ohio <laughs> or something like that, I think. So you can't drive vaguely, in Ohio? Oh, I could drive in Ohio. I just get, when I get pulled over, they'll be like, uh, the warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> I don't even remember when and where and how I got, I don't know. I, I could probably look it up, but eh, whatever. I never go to Ohio, except... Several times a year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there it is. There it is. Thanks to Kyle Mangus for joining us for Justin Kinney. I'm Caleb Hatch. Again, final chance to text homecoming to 46862 for a four-pack of tickets for I.U. Rutgers. I will still accept entries up until nine o'clock uh for I.U. Rutgers on Saturday. Coming up next, Dan Patrick Show, followed by the Herd with Colin Cowherd, Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from three to four, and the sports rush with Brett Rump from four to six. Another chance to win foreigner tickets. Warner coming to the Coliseum October twenty fourth, so next week, it's Tuesday night. Your chance to win on the Sports Rush. That's all today. You're on thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM.